Hey, welcome back everybody and to the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, thank you so much for being here. If you've been listening since the beginning, man, we appreciate you. Thank you. You're the reason why we're here. Um, Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast exists to get you into the Bible. Uh, we love the scriptures, believe it will empower you. We commit to the habits of the Christian life here at Crosspoint, and one of the most powerful habits of the Christian life is staying devoted to your scripture, reading it, studying it, meditating on it. Even Easton, if people want to go crazy, memorizing parts of the Bible. Wow. I know. And so, um, Crosspoint Scripture Podcast will not solve all your problems. It won't replace church attendance. It won't replace your own personal Bible study. Um, what we hope to do is just come alongside and teach you some rules of thumb, some rules of the road, basic things for helping you understand your daily Bible reading. Um, basically, we're going to talk a lot about context, or we're going to focus on it anyway. I don't think we'll talk a lot about it, but we're going to always focus a lot on the context of the verse that we look at. We're going to be looking a lot or talking a lot about where Christ, where we can see Jesus in these verses that we look at. And so um, that's the hope, and just kind of putting the verse back into its original context. What did the author mean? Now, we only take, what, 15 or 20 minutes an episode, so this is not an exhaustive. Typically. typically. Sometimes we get wild and go up to 30 minutes. Yeah. Although our most popular one was like 45. Come on, somebody. So maybe you guys want longer ones. Yeah, maybe you want longer ones. If that's what you want, just keep hitting us up. But So we usually aim at around 20 minutes. And so this is not an exhaustive scholarly search. Instead, this is a um, to be a companion to you as you are um, doing your own Bible study. Okay? So today's verse was taken from a version verse of the day, and it comes from Romans, my personal favorite book in the New Testament. Um, which has got to be kind of funny, to be honest with you. God's got to think it's kind of funny if we have a favorite book of the Bible. Right. <laughs> but nonetheless, I've got one, and it's Romans. And it con- this is from chapter 6, verse 14. Now, this verse is going to be a challenge, and I'll tell you why. Romans is a tightly argued, long, well-written, deep, plumbing the mysteries of, of salvation and sin and righteousness and atonement and on and on the law grace the spirit i mean it's got everything in it and so to take one verse from romans is definitely a great exercise in context okay so i'm just giving the caveat at the beginning i'm going to do the best i can but i'm going to have to be pointing you guys back do you need to go back and do your homework if you've got questions after we get done because we're just going to touch on things that are very hard but it's great because I think you're going to see why context is so important and why a verse of the day can be good, but you need, it needs to come with a warning label. Sounds like it was made for the podcast. It's made for the podcast. That's right. So Romans chapter 6, verse 14, reading from the ESV says, For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So, uh, yes, yeah, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. This verse, I think, would be so much easier without the second half, and it'd be easier. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if only you just said, "For sin will have no dominion over you." Full stop. You'd be like, "Praise God, let's go home." Yeah, the second half, you could probably take that and run a couple <laughs> different ways that are not the right way. Yeah, but the second half comes in and complicates everything and invites abuse and abuse. Yeah. But it's a very important because the second part is the um, foundation. It's the anchor. Since you are not under law, but under grace. So a couple of context notes here. First of all, 
um, verse 14 starts and, and advertises in bright neon that you can't take this verse alone because it says four. So whenever that happens, you got to be careful. It's, it's standing on everything that came before it. Right. That's very important. So Paul, you, you got to be careful, man. I think a lot of us American Bible readers have gotten to where we assume we know you just assume like force and what, well, yeah, sure. Four. Yeah, I know something about Jesus and you keep running and that's not a good idea. So it starts, there's a big context first. So we're going to look at a couple ver- we're going to go back up to 12 verse 12. Cause you know, like I said, we could go to Romans one, but we don't have time for that. So we're going to go up to verse 12 there for immediate context, but there's more in here and it has to do with that pesky second half we're talking about for sin will have no dominion over you. Love the sound of that. Dominion is an old-fashioned word, and it means sin will not have, will not rule over you. It will not have kingly command over your life. Okay, if you're wondering about that word, NLT says, uh, "Sin is no longer your master." Yeah, I love that. It does. It doesn't master you anymore. Love the sound of that. Comma, since you are not under law but under grace, it's that second half that lets us know that you need to put this verse back into the context of the overall letter to the Romans because he covers this information, not under law, but under grace. If you're like, I want to know more about that, you are in luck because the entire letter of Romans, well, not the entire, but it, but basically chapters one through seven will go after that whole idea. And it's very important because you need, we need to understand it. Okay. But just reeling it back in then now. Um, just for our immediate context, why does Paul say for sin will have no dominion over you? Or why is sin no longer my master? Okay, let's go back up to 12. He says this, let let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Okay, back to the idea of um, dominion or mastering over you. Here in verse 12, we're being instructed to don't let that happen, you know, by the death of Jesus Christ for you on your behalf to cleanse you from sin, to redeem your life and to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You are no longer a hopeless victim of sin, but the choice has been given back to you. It's it's a powerful thing. And to some degree, you're going to have to take my word for it because you need to go back and look at it for yourself. But here, Paul's telling the Romans, don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. You have to understand 12 through 13 that you've been given this power back, that God by his Holy Spirit has given you the ability to not be mastered by sin. Now, now we can tell by these verses if it's telling us to not let it happen, then that means the possibility for it to happen still exists. Christians can sin, they do sin, and they can put themselves back into slavery to sin. That's obvious because we're being told, don't do it, don't let it happen, don't present your your members to unrighteousness. So that now we know why verse 14 is almost, it's a summing up. So if we just had our verse of the day that says, for sin will have no dominion over you, it can really lead you to a lot of defeat in your Christian life because you're sitting there going, well, in some areas of my life, it does. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. It, it won't have, it does over me. What am I going to do? And so if you didn't read 12 and 13, now if you read 12 and 13, you'd be saying, okay, 
it does have dominion over me in certain areas of my life because I don't want to do this, but I'm kind of so locked into a pattern I keep doing it. Maybe I'm letting it happen. Maybe I keep presenting myself to sin as an instrument for unrighteousness. Well, why in the world would I do something like that? Well, maybe it has something to do with since you are not under law but under grace, verse 14. Maybe you're still allowing yourself to see yourself under the condemnation of the law. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your friend. Maybe you don't know you have his Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know have you have peace with God. Maybe you don't know you have access to the Father by one spirit. It just involves all those things. So you can't just read this verse, for sin will have no dominion over you, and then throw up your hands and go, well, I guess I'm just doing it wrong. That's why the context is so important, okay? And that on both ends, since you are not under law but under grace. Um, I think we can really deal really good with, let's, let's enlarge the context just a little bit more on the first half, for sin will have no, no dominion over you. Look at... Um, we're going up now to verse five, okay? And we won't be able to comment too much, but this really fills in. It, it, it keeps brightening the picture the further back we go. So this is what I, I'm just going to go back as far as five, and then I'm going to make myself stop, okay? All right. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, he's talking about Jesus to the Romans. If we have been united with him in a death like his, you heard me reference a minute ago that you've been, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been, he was crucified in your behalf. So you have died in your sin, but Christ died in your place. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. There it is. Your old way of life was on the cross with Christ. That's why it doesn't have dominion over you anymore. Not because of anything you've done, but because of Christ. Seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion. There's that word. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, and we went from there, okay? So there, you'll notice, I just want to show you the power of context, because the further up we go, our reasons for this being true in our lives and our power to apply it to our lives just keeps getting better. It's not getting harder to understand, it's getting easier to understand, and the power of the verse is getting more and more we're being more and more able to make an intelligent application of this verse to our lives so that we see that by, by the time we get down to verse 14, it's the sharp end of a very big sword. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law which brought death, but under grace from Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, if we go on from there, it opens up a whole new can, so I'm not going to. <laughs> it gets into 15. Um, should oh, we boy. sin? I know. Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? But I, I just because I'm not going to open it up here on the podcast does not mean you should read it. It means you absolutely should because you're going to come to some very interesting things about not being under the law but under grace. Okay. Now, um, let's look at where we can see Jesus in these verses. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. When we look at Jesus's life, if you're looking, if you're like, okay, this sounds complicated. What does it look like? What would a day-to-day life thing looks like? This is how we can see Jesus in these verses. When you look at Jesus living his life day-to-day in the Gospels as he's ministering to people, 
you're looking at a man that was not ruled by sin. It didn't have dominion over him because he knew he was perfect before his father. He knew the law did not condemn him. There was no law against anything that Jesus was doing. Jesus was cool with God. Jesus was God. He was a perfect man. He lived in perfect righteousness. So when you see Jesus loving his enemies, praying for those who curse him, blessing those who curse him, and praying for those who spitefully used him, being crucified on our behalf, what you're seeing is a man who was freed from domin- from sin having any control or being his master, having dominion over him. But what's cool is you get to see it in day-to-day interactions so that you can know what it looks like. It's not some mystical, floaty thing up in the air. It's a real-life example of what your life would look like when if you would not let sin have dominion over you anymore. What if you didn't have to um, hold grudges against people? What if you didn't have to seek revenge on people? What if you didn't have to be afraid of the judgment of God? Then what would your life look like? That's what Paul's asking you to consider in verse 14. It won't have any dominion over you because that law that says you deserve death has been fulfilled in Christ and now you're under his grace. And that's why you do not, going back to 12 and 13, have to let sin have dominion over you. You can if you want, but you don't have to. You don't have to present yourself to sin anymore. That's what Jesus did. He presented himself to God. He presented his members, his body. He presented his body as an instrument of righteousness, even up to the point where he had to present it to the death on the cross because he still knew that God could take care of him under those considerations, and he did. God raised him from the dead, and uh, that's why he's our Savior. So that's why we see it. Uh, that's why we see Christ in these verses. That's why context is so important here because it turns 6 and 14 into a very powerful verse, whereas I think it could kind of hurt you if you cut it off from its context. So, Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is pretty correct. Um, you used to have to make sacrifices mm-hmm. to cover sin, um, which means if you messed up and then you died before you made another sacrifice— that was kind of the uh, a, a point of worry. And at this point, um, Jesus dying on the cross means you can immediately just start over. You don't have to worry about, oh, what do I do now? It's just, you know, start yeah, right now. Yeah, it's a total sin, you know, what am I looking for? Um, continuous tense will have no dominion over you. Yeah. 14. And correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't live back then, but that would kind of be a point of worry if I thought that I had to make a sacrifice to cover my my weeks worth of sinning or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was. absolutely. And uh, what you're saying and you you you'd have to bring a sacrifice for the priest to do it on your behalf. Right. And then he'd have to make a sacrifice for himself. So yeah, the point is definitely being made that you are that's what it would be like to be under the law. That's the way a lot of us Christians still live. Is in this constant fear of not understanding that um let not sin therefore reign, verse 12, in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So when you're coming to God, you're coming to him as a person who used to be dead in your trespasses and sin, thinking about Ephesians here. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but you've been brought to life in God. We read about 
um, how Jesus, verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I think a lot of us are striving for the first one. I'm dead to sin. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. But they come as a package. I don't have to do this because I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. God is looking at me not as someone who needs to bring a sacrifice daily for my sins or someone who's constantly in threat of being separated from him. God is viewing me as a person who has been brought to life in Christ Jesus. End of story. You know, continuous tense. I'm in Christ. Yeah. So that's why 12. So I don't have to think about sacrifices. I'm thinking about the sacrifice that Christ made once and once and for all on my behalf. Again, something that you'll read quite a bit about in Romans if you get into it. Yeah. All right, friends. I'm I am through a titanic act of the will. I'm just gonna leave it there because I love I love this book. It's making me want to just keep going, but we got you know, let's keep to the to the purpose of our podcast here. All I would suggest to you is that um, Romans is a letter well worth your studying of it. And um, if you go chapters one through eight, kind of concentrate on those chapters one through eight and make a real good study of them, you're going to really strengthen your your Christian life and it's going to be good for you. You're going to, there's a lot of deep stuff in there. You're going to be like, holy cow, and you're going to be very challenged at times, but it's going to be good for you. Okay. And I'm not, and nine through 15 I think, are good for you as well, but I'm just saying. One through eight would be a very good, extensive Bible study to take on. But anyway, such a pleasure to be with you guys. Um, hopefully, the our love for Scripture and, and uh, will be contagious. And um, hope to see you next time. Keep keep listening. <laughs>